0: An evil old house, the kind
1: some people call haunted, is like an undiscovered country waiting to be explored. Hill House had stood for 90 years and might stand for 90 more. Silence lay steadily against the wood and stone of Hill House, and whatever walked there, walked alone.
0: Again, and Welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where we take a film out of the wonderful book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John. And my name is Ian Woodington. And we're going to give you some recommendations this week before we talk about the uh, main film of discussion. Uh, I'm going to go first. Yeah, I went first last week. Yeah. Makes sense for you go. So, um, now we're recording this, uh... Couple weeks before this episode's even gonna drop, but um, opening weekend of this film, I wouldn't, so I went and saw us, um, Jordan Peele's new movie. Um, I'm not gonna say hardly anything about it. This is gonna be the shortest recommendation that I've ever done, uh, because it's so new and it's chock full of spoilers, and I'm not gonna do that to anybody. So, all I'm gonna say is, I don't think it's better than Get Out, I think it's good. It's not as on the surface that Get Out was. It's very much a thinker. Um, and no movie recently has made me want to watch it so immediately after watching it than this one. Just to sort of like, I just go back and like really look for the clues and really try to really, really analyze it with like a, a good second viewing right after and like pick everything out. Um, I think he improves as a filmmaker. Um, I think the story isn't as good, but that's not to say it's bad because I, I am recommending this movie. Um, And I think it's really interesting. There, there's so many ways to interpret it. I've listened to so many different analyses of it. And um, I think that's, what's great about it is that it's really open to how you like to view it. So I'm not going to say anything about it because the trailers are out. You can go find it. Um, It's very much about a doppelganger family, re- re- a family whose doppelgangers come and wreak havoc on them and then twists and turns ensue. And, it's very entertaining. I legit am not going to say anything else about it
1: because it's, it's way too new. So um, that's, But it's my recommendation. Go see us. I'd like to, I'm I'm fascinated by Jordan Peele and, and where he's heading as a filmmaker. Yeah. Because you wouldn't expect that coming out of the other half of Key and Peele. I also uh, watched the first episode of The New Twilight Zone. How is it? It's too long.
0: Are they like 45-minute episodes? No, it's an hour. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, too it, it's too long. Here's the thing. Not bad, too long. Because old Twilight Zones get got they cut to the chase real quick and you got everything you needed. There's a lot of fat on on it. It's I liked it. I liked the story I was trying to sell, but
1: it's it's too long. Hmm. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. So us is mine. Ian, what is yours? I have a quiet place as my recommendation. Okay. Because it's it's fairly new to Prime. Oh, I didn't even know it was on Prime. Yeah. It's on, have you seen it yet? Yes, I have. Holy shit! This movie was awesome. <laughs> it was so goddamn good. It, oh, man. I, every second of this film, I never anticipated anything like this coming out of Krasinski. Yeah. Considering, it, you know, what everybody knows him for, uh, you know, Jim Jim on The Office. Yeah. yeah, he's just this bumbling, goofy, Jim, great family man kind of guy. And uh, his, I know his, he did a, an independent film a couple of years ago, which I didn't see, but it's about like, I the, did. The, it's... the mother dying and oh. it's kind of a... Uh, nope, not the not movie I'm thinking of. No? No, you keep talking. No, he he did uh, he did some independent film. I can't recall the name of it, but it had quite the ensemble cast. I believe Anna Kendrick was in it as well as Margot Martindale. No,
0: keep, keep talking about no, whatever. No. I'm just gonna. Yeah, no, yeah you you're looking it up. So I, I think
1: I think A Quiet Place is actually his third film as director. See that? Yeah, because I'm I'm thinking of something else that he did. What's what's the thing you're thinking of? It, I. So
0: okay, so Quiet Place. Um, as a director the mm,
1: haulers the yes that's the one I'm, the Hollers.
0: oh yes. no 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 see the size of 2016 I'm thinking of something he did in 2009 it's called brief interviews with hideous men
1: did he he directed that I knew he was he wrote that yeah you know right? he directed it he did as well okay yeah, yeah. all right yeah I, I haven't seen either of those. I've, based, seen, I've seen the first one. Based on based on what I saw of the trailer of The Haulers, I wasn't expecting... Anyway, the point is, I wasn't expecting anything like what came out of A Quiet Place. Sure. And again, spoilery tag, spoilery alerts. Um, well, I guess I'm not really spoiling anything, because it's in the first like 10 minutes of the movie. So I'm sitting here watching this thing. If you don't know the plot... You know, an apocalyptic type event has happened. There are these creatures roaming the earth now who are super sensitive to sound. That's how They're blind, so they track you by sound. They're very quick moving, very deadly. Like you make a sound, even the smallest whisper, the drop of a pin they can hear. I mean, you've got to be deadly, deadly quiet. So it opens in the grocery store, right? And they're getting supplies. You're, I think it's like 50 days in. Something like that. Yeah, I don't remember. But yeah, yeah, yeah. This hasn't happened that long ago. And they're still adjusting to this as a family unit. They have three kids in the beginning of the film. And I'm thinking, as I'm watching this happen on the screen, I'm thinking back to the trailers. I'm like, I only saw two. Oh, shit. It was one of those moments. Because as I was thinking it, it happened. Yeah. Where one of their kids dies. And then it cuts to like a year and a half into the event happening. Uh, I I really love the decision to cast his wife. I know somebody else had to get stepped. I remember very vividly from you know they did a huge press tour of this thing, and of, of course it was all about look how great they are as this power Hollywood couple. And of course somebody had to be stepped over who he had originally approached in order to get Emily Blunt into the movie because I, I mean they're they're everybody's Hollywood power couple goal or whatever you want to call it. But I mean their chemistry together is just. I can absolutely believe that they're married. They they really I feel like they brought a lot of their own relationship to the movie and it and it really shows. Oh yeah. I, and the kids are great in it too. I mean, this is just a really incredible atmospheric type of film and I did want to see it in theaters and I didn't because today's movie audiences you all fucking suck. <laughs> I do not go to movies on opening weekends anymore. I go Sunday mornings and I go to 21 and over theaters only. That's it. That sounds fair. Because I'm fucking, this is me getting on a little bit of a soapbox right now. If you're a person that talks in a movie, again, like I said last week, if you believe in that whole luxury tax thing being a real thing, I don't want you to listen to this podcast. If you talk in a movie, turn this podcast off right now, because you're an asshole. Hello there. This is Adam St. John.
0: I'm listening to this podcast and editing it, and um, I just want to tell you that you're not an asshole. Ian got really passionate about talking about seeing movies in theaters, and this rant that he goes on lasts about three more minutes, so we're
1: gonna take you right to the end of it. I was like, really, it's not her fault. I just want to make sure I'm watching the same fucking movie you are, because I, I wasn't sure. It's not her fault, right? Good. Okay, can we watch the fucking movie now, please? And it didn't stop. She just kept going. Oh, the whole... <sighs> anyway. I didn't go see A Quiet Place because I knew <laughs> that there was little to no dialogue in it. And I don't want to be sitting there watching this near silent movie while you're chewing on your popcorn like a cow chewing on your fucking cud and making a comment about every goddamn thing. Modern audiences are, are the problem with movies. There's Nothing wrong with movies. Movies are, are, are good. They're getting better. Right? But it's you fucking people that cannot sit still for two hours. How hard is it? You buy, we all paid for this. Like you paid for an experience. You paid what not not just for a selfish solo experience. You paid for an experience that you're gonna have to share. That you have to how hard is it to be mindful of the other people around you? And this movie came out like a year and a half ago. I'm still pissed about this. I really am. I don't know, man. Like I've almost given up. I did. I, I almost gave <laughs> up on going to the cinema for a while. I didn't go to the movies for like two and a half years after American Hustle. I'm sorry. I, my co-host has completely lost it. It's getting a bit late in the evening. It's after dark. I don't give a shit anymore. Oh, man. Anyway, so... A quiet Place. Uh, the point <laughs> is, I didn't go see A Quiet Place in theaters because I didn't want people to ruin that experience for me. And I'm really glad that I chose to hold off and see it at home because, goddamn, what a great experience this movie was. Yeah. As, as, a, as a piece of modern horror filmmaking this it's perfect i don't have a single bad thing to say about this film
0: no i i you know as filmmaking goes it's it was shot well i i like that the the cast actually learned sign language because the the daughter was deaf and they they so off so off set in between takes they could actually communicate with her
1: oh i didn't i didn't know that that's fantastic yeah okay
0: um uh emily blunt is great in it oh she's i mean i have no i have no issues with the movie um there are two things that i i, I pause about which is one there's a very sort of cliche i i, I like the moment, a very cliche moment where john krasinski yells to distract and and have the thing come after him and it's very it's it's a good moment but it's so oh, textbook I, screenplay i don't know
1: man i felt
0: that like. no 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 dude. i'm not i i i did too it's yeah. a great moment it's It's cliche though. It's that you can see it coming a mile away. Yeah. That's it. And then the other thing is it's just come on. Don't get pregnant. And yeah. get, it builds to some yeah.
1: gr- very intense, yeah. wonderfully you know, taught scene. But There's a the, when there's a lot of the kids in peril kind of. So Liz was having a re- we're not parents. She was having a really hard time. Oh no, it's it's a hard, you know, oh it's tough. It's a hard movie, but
0: it's, it's it's it's. I mean, we didn't have that kind of reaction to it. You know, I yeah. think I think the horror aspect, the the apocalyptic sense of it you know i think there's a distance that we had just because of that but just and they already don't get pregnant uh, they
1: they already bumped one kid off in the first 10 minutes they're not really going to do it twice are they right Uh, well i don't know who knows but yeah i was this i was more. it was more just come on that's just
0: piss poor planning just don't 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 get pregnant get pregnant
1: um you you could could do an at-home vasectomy you could cauterize that shit right you'd be fine i mean i
0: I, I've had a vasectomy. I don't know how easy it is to just do. <laughs> Should I not have made that public? Oh, it's okay. I, I, oh, yeah, had, I had a yeah. vasectomy. It's fine. But um, you have
1: two kids. You did your due diligence. Yeah, yeah like, I'm good. I'm continuing good. Continuing the species. So yes. you, you earned it. Yeah.
0: I, I, yes, sorry. Quiet yeah. place. I, yeah, I agree. I think it's great. I also recommend it. It's fantastic. I didn't know it was
1: on Prime, which is great. Yeah, no, it just dropped earlier in the month. And Lovely. I, like, I made it a point to like, hey, this. I got to see this. Yeah, it's I'm good. so glad I did, and I can't wait to rewatch it and find some more of the little nuances in it and to appreciate more. I I feel like it's going to be something I come back to. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I have some trepidation about a sequel because I know that they're starting to ramp up. And the last news that I read is that they're circling Killian Murphy. Oh, I thought that was,
0: I thought that was confirmed.
1: Uh, It is confirmed. Okay. 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 That that Killian, I know the sequel was confirmed. I didn't know if Killian Murphy was, I thought he was, he he is. Okay. Awesome. Which, that was the last thing I read. I, I think. mean, we love us a Killian Murphy movie. I'll, I'll, I'm not again. I'm not going to go see it in theaters because all you fucking people suck. Yeah. I'll I'll wait and watch it at home a couple. Months for, later. Yeah.
0: For me, it take it's it, it has to be it's a it's basically a director. It's not an actor anymore. It's a director. I will go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when it comes out, and I will go see the next Christopher Nolan movie when it comes out. But for me, it, it's it takes a director, not I mean Yeah. You know. Oh, and, and, like, we saw Us because I really liked Get Out, and I was like, okay, let's go see it. This would be something fun to see in theaters, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, I used to see upwards of 40 movies a year in the theater. Yeah. If not closer to 50. I And that that number has seriously diminished down into the, the tens. I remember, this might be the weirdest example to give, but I remember one of the first movies, one of the first, not
0: the first, but one of the first movies that Melissa and I saw in theaters was Wedding Crashers. We saw it opening weekend. On a so a Friday night showing it was so packed. to put
1: this in perspective this is 2005 yeah 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 yep.
0: opening night packed a lot of people our age and you because we were barely 18 at the time um but and a lot of college college age kids and stuff packed and like it's so cool kind of cool to be in a room it, it, i i've never seen like a really good stand-up comic live but it reminded me of that right we're all there to enjoy it we're all laughing nobody's being a dick you know what i mean like everybody was just enjoying and laughing like it's kind of weird to think about it to be in a room while well, looking at a screen and but everybody laughing it was it was yeah. great and i definitely can say that i don't know that i've had such a like like a visceral re- uh, reaction to a movie like like watching it in a theater i know you know when we first took Stella to see her first movie it was re- it was monumental
1: but it wasn't like that you know yeah. um anyways i'm just what, do you feel the same way i mean i know you go to less movies now anyway because I, oh totally yeah um
0: again another rant all very fun stuff but not necessarily related to the haunting so we're gonna pick it up again a few minutes later Think if you're gonna ruin an experience for somebody paid now
1: upwards of like 25 30 bucks for one goddamn ticket to see a movie okay here i'll put it in perspective for you so like i said liz and i don't go to anything other than that 21 and over that's in bellevue now the lincoln square reserve yeah which shout out to you guys your cinema fucking rocks how far in are we already jesus almost christ 20. Okay. almost 20 minutes right, I'll, I'll try and get to the i'll not belabor the point but you talk about rising costs so liz and i went and saw in our run-up to the Academy Awards, we went and saw The Favorite and *The* and Vice back-to-back. Back. Nice double feature. Yeah. I don't like Vice, but I like the double feature. 65 bucks. Yeah. And that's... Fu- I don't mind paying the premium because I know I'm in this 21-and-old. I don't have... Firstly, I don't have people bringing their kids who shouldn't be in these films to begin with, but I'm also hoping that that brings a sort of level of maturity. And also, they serve food in there. So instead of yakking, I've got all these people around me that are just eating. And that's that's fine, cause then you're not running. It's your like white fucking noise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Should we talk about the I, movie? I, I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm sorry. I apologize. I I mean I don't really. No, don't apologize. No, that's fine. Do we want to talk about this movie? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> The reason we're here today. So oh wait, can I, I? Okay, so we're gonna talk about this movie, but do you have a final bullet point to no, put on my crazy no, ass? No, I rant? don't.
0: I don't. Or I, this is the, the segue into it. So let's just let's just talk about the last couple of movies that we we talked about. So let's go let's go two weeks back. The Matrix. We talked about the Matrix because it was the twentieth anniversary of the Matrix. Makes sense. Uh, we did I Daniel Blake because it's a movie that I've legit wanted to do since because we were talking about a podcast let alone
1: actually recording one well and i think i also i stem that along because you gave it to me and i was chomping at the bit to watch it so yeah. i was like let's just do it yeah um this is maybe the
0: first movie where we legit just flipped a page in the book
1: yeah i did our last recording and, session i just literally <laughs> opened the book and went into that one and picked it
0: and we were like cool well we're gonna we'll do the haunting that's um, so what we're talking about. We're talking about Robert Wise. Yes, the Robert Wise of such a claim as *The Sound of Music* and *West Side Story*, and the first *Star Trek* motion picture. Ah, that's right. You keep you always bring that up. It's not in the book, so I totally spaced. I have never seen it.
1: Um, I like it, and all you Trekkies can, you know, you can deal with it. That's fine. Um, so we're talking about *The Haunting*. Um,
0: directed by Robert Wise, uh, written by Nelson Gidding, uh, based off of the much beloved Shirley Jackson book *The Haunting of Hill House*. Um, our main cast we have uh Julie Harris as Eleanor Lancer Nell We have Claire Bloom as Theodora or Theo uh Richard Johnson as Dr John Markway Russ Tamblin uh, other known as riff uh, as <laughs> as uh Luke Sanderson we have um I'll just say it right now my unsung hero is uh Rosalie Crutchley as Mrs. Dudley because her first scene with Nell is astonishing
1: her little rundown of the house is magnificent she is eerie as all fuck well and the fact that she i i love the the mirror of that scene where she repeats it yeah for um for, for theo Br- for theo yeah and uh and Theo's just completely ignoring her but she's going on and just doing it anyway yeah. like it's a mechanical thing she has to do and then uh, the only other one I was gonna say was uh um is it Lois maxwell the original miss money penny? Yeah, it was uh was grace
0: who's who's uh talked to mark wife. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Um so we've already so um Robert Wise is in the book a couple other times. What's that story which we've we've already talked about and go back and listen to that. Um he's also in the book for the day the earth stood still and the sound of music. Um accolades <laughs> There's only one I could find. Like really. Uh,
1: yeah, IMDb only lists one. Nominated for best director at the Golden Globes when they had I think it was like 10 to 12 nominees, which is just, I just think that's nonsense. Yeah.
0: Um, it is not currently on the IMDb 250. It's um, Rotten Tomatoes score is 87, critically 82 audience. So I i do feel you, like, do you, you have Bosley Crowley? I do. Yay. Okay. Can I, I love Bosley Crowley? Okay. and I just love his name. So I, I, I um, highlighted parts of it. So I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but I want to read this. I, I have to read most of this because It's kind of how I feel about this movie. Okay, here we go. You ready? I'm going to do my best. Scandal. Murder. Insanity. Suicide. Hill House has everything. So boasts an an off-screen narrator as we pan in to gaze upon a shadowy and gaunt New England mansion. At the beginning of the film, called The Haunting... And believe me, before this antique chiller drags to an ectoplasmic end, you'll agree that it does have just about everything in the old fashioned blood chilling line, except a line of reasoning that makes a degree of sense. It is great as long as Julie Harris and Claire Bloom are huddling in a room in that luridly off-kilter mansion, hugging each other in the dark and listening to horrible noises—thuds, screams, gunfire—outside the door, waiting in paralyzed terror, for they know not what. And it seems to be getting someplace when Richard Johnson, as a cheery scientist who has brought a few people together in this presumably haunted house to study psychic phenomenon, chases Miss Harris up a spiral stairway when she, poor thing, has given alarming evidence of going understand mad. Surely there must be some significance, some psychic symbolism in this act. But no, there is really no point to it other than getting Miss Harris away up there on a rickety little balcony. It is simply another maneuver to make your blood run cold, and that's the total purpose of this picture as nearly as I can see. So, it looks as though this film simply makes more goose pimples than sense, which is rather surprising and disappointing for a picture with two such actresses who are very good all the way through it, and produced and directed by the able Robert Wise.
1: Yeah. I mean, do you want to
0: just leave it at that (laughs) <laughs> call it a day. Um, <laughs> this movie to me had so much promise because I actually legit loved the opening VO of this movie I really did I thought it was a nice yeah, fun old school setup yeah it's kind of campy
1: like and... yeah I'm into this
0: cool yeah. I loved even the, the, the like the description you know you know, Hugh Crane was this guy and his first wife died I, I mean I, I bought I get that it's exposition I it, it felt very dated but in a fun way I was like cool I'm in so this this
1: is the first time you've seen it. This is the first time I've okay, seen it. Okay, I saw it once about ten years ago and I remember really liking it a lot more. Ah. Which is why I was excited to revisit it. I was like, oh man, I really I remember kinda of liking this. Well, and I th- the reason why I was excited was so we watched
0: the, the Haunted of Hill House Netflix series, which yeah, you, is you, which you, was a
1: recommendation. Yeah, quite a few episodes
0: back. And now. I still recommend it. Like I this made me want to go back and watch it because it's just it's phenomenal.
1: It's phenomenal. And then for fun. We watched the 1999 one. I was I was going to, and you know I watched a Quiet Place instead
0: because it, it was on Prime. Yeah.
1: Um, what's interesting about watching the newer one? There's a couple
0: things that that are that are really interesting. One, the,
1: the newer one being the Jan Dubont 1999 yes, remake. Yes.
0: Okay. Um, is that so many things are like beat for beat what happened in in the other one? Um, they get they get brought to the mansion for slightly different reasons, but it's essentially the same thing. What's interesting is that. The new one, the 99 one, relies so much on really bad visual effects, like 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 god-awful visual effects, that it's not scary. Shifting to the 63 haunting that we're talking about, it doesn't rely enough on visual effects. And That's completely fair. And I, the, 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 what I wrote in the, in the Bosley Crowther thing, I think the best scene in the movie is when Theo and Nell are in the room and they're hearing everything and the door does that fucking awesome. Like it fucking bends in and it's like, Ooh, Ooh, like I was like that, that was good. This movie dies on her fucking narration. That I is hate it to pieces. Yes, it's the it's one of the few times that I remember that that quote from adaptation where um, Brian Cox is playing Robert McKee. He's like, "And God help you if you use narration." I I was like, "Fuck yeah!"
1: Because yeah. this movie had way too much of it. No, it's I forgot how constant it was, and it makes me question why I enjoyed this movie the first time I watched it. I do think there is value in it. I agree as a as a film that sort of pioneered these types of haunted house sort of movies but i also as i'm watching it I, mean, I can't separate it from the idea that and i don't know that this is the motivation but it's just what i'm kind of extrapolating uh psycho i feel like this really wanted to capitalize on even to the fact that it's shot in black and white even though over the course of my research i found out that robert wise owed mgm a black and white film <laughs> yeah yeah as i'm sitting there watching this man, man i want this thing to be in color I really do. I'm not for colorization, and actually, Robert Wise did block. Yes. Uh, using his MGM contract as the reason to stop Ted Turner, which is I love stories like that. We've talked about that with, uh, it's a wonderful life. Yes. With them trying to block the colorization of that,
0: although of that. to, to less, you know, they, yeah. that did happen unfortunately. But I, but
1: I love hearing those stories where a filmmaker will stand up for his work, and Robert Wise even went as far as saying that this was his favorite directing experience.
0: Wow. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Um, I mean, he's just... There's so many big movies attributed to him. I mean... Not, I mean, not that you're a big musical guy, but Jesus, the guy... This guy directed West Side Story and The Sound of Music, let alone Star Trek and The Day the Earth Stood Still, which I haven't seen, but I know that that's kind of a monumental
1: film. Yeah. I mean, that's it's a pivotal piece of the, the day there's still not star Trek, but the, yeah, 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 it's a pivotal piece of filmmaking dealing with a lot of social political themes as well. You know, the reds are coming kind of shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I liked what it was trying to do. I mean, I really did, but the, the, the narration was just such a killer. I mean, yeah. and it's like, it, it got me right from the beginning when she's driving up to the house, you know, it's the kind of the long driveway and, It's like, you know, what what am I doing here? This is all going to be, you know, I I really need to have something kind of go right in my life. And not that we would get all of it specifically, but
1: her face is telling us pretty much everything we need to know. This is the argument I've been making for years with that. I think we've maybe even on this this podcast, we've talked about Tobey Maguire's terrible narration in... The Great Gatsby, the remake of Oh, uh, Yes, I think we have. We have. Yes. And so I don't need you to tell me what the fuck is going on on screen. I can see it. I can see it in the actors' faces. I can see it in what they're doing. I don't need this constant inner uh, monologue. You know what's
0: so funny about that is that's a movie that actually, like, I think Leo's great in it. I think the direction of it's actually pretty good. I love the production design. And it's a movie that will not live on because it's just, because that
1: narration is really bad. Well, and I even love the idea of using modern music in a period piece like that. Yeah, I don't mind it. Yeah. I think it's fun. For reasons I won't go into now because I've already gone on a crazy... This episode is actually gonna be It's not about the haunting. Ian's at all. crazy soap Ian's crazy thing about getting on a soapbox about all you bastards that talk in movies. And then a little piece on the haunting. Yeah, that's fair. That that's what this episode should be called. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to Ian go nuts for twenty minutes. <laughs> oh. Uh, Liz will love this episode because this is all she gets all goddamn day long. Wait, so she's gonna love it or she gonna hate it? exactly ah lovely okay um I don't dude if you pull the narration out this film instantly gets like 20 times better
0: and it's one of those things where like I really I, I wish I had the like the wherewithal or even the like really the technology to know how to do something like that I would I would love as a project to do that yeah like I would love I mean well anyway guess you have to do this like, I I remember one time a while ago I heard this this uh, or I read an article about Like, the film-watching experience and how we actually have control over over certain things. And it was basically... One of the things that said was, you know, like, try watching L.A. Confidential in black and white. And I was like, okay. And so the next time I did, I did. And I was like... And it really... Not that you need to, but to kind of watch it in, like, the way it probably would have been shot, like, you know, in its period... It, it it puts you in more of that mood. I kind of felt like I was watching Double Indemnity or, or Killer's Kiss or some other kind of noir kind of film. And it, it really did kind of make me feel like this was the right the right way to watch it. Now I've seen it in color again since and it's 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 just fine. There's no right or wrong. Well, it's such a lush, vibrant it is, beautiful it is. looking film. But as a you know, as experiences go, yeah. it's just kind of it's interesting and, and you know, I I think that's that would this movie I think would it would be a really great experiment
1: to take out her narration and and just leave the bookends yeah yeah and then colorize it and take her narration out you want you really want to colorize it i yeah i really i don't know there's just a texture that's missing i'm not advocating colorization at all but this is one and i'm not going to say now it's colorized this is the definitive version but sure just as an alternative, in the same way that they did mad max like that because let me tell you, after seeing black and chrome, Mad Max, I'm having a hard time going back to the color version. No? No? Yeah. All right. It looks so goddamn cool in black and white. <laughs> and it is very much shiny in chrome.
0: Is Mad Max in the book?
1: Yes, it is. Okay. I haven't, I've ever well, seen it. Well, our, ever. uh, our competitors at, uh, CinemaSlide, so they did a double feature where they did the original Mad Max and Fury Road, because I believe they are both in the book. Okay. I, Okay. Pretty good episode. Well done on that one, guys. If there you're you listening go. to this,
0: I mean, I there again, like it talked, like in the terms of the filmmaking. I do. I, I was reading about Julie Harris and how she intentionally w- avoided talking to the cast, like in between takes and offset. But it was to it was to help that feeling of isolation and stuff. And afterwards, apparently, was really cool and, and talked to everybody about it. And I do always like that kind of stuff about you know how you know there there. I think there's a sect of acting that views. That acting—it's a con game. It's a great. It's about being a good liar, and I'm I'm in the other camp where I think acting is about being a great truth teller. It's about convincing people of the the truth, not about you know, getting people to believe something that isn't real. And it's it's maybe it's a weird I'm splitting hairs, but that's that's how I view it. And I think anything that can help like that is great. Anything that can make it more real, and I just that's the kind of story I appreciate hearing about. Um, And apparently, Robert Wise was a really good director. Another we talked about Keanu Reeves a couple episodes back being a guy that everybody seems to like, and that's the way Robert Wise seems. Um, I've read only like really kind of glowing
1: reviews about him. Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't think MGM would have given him the kind of money and resources that they gave him on something like The Sound of Music if he wasn't a guy that could steer the ship and and have everybody like him doing it. Do you want to? Do you want to find some nice things to say about this movie? <laughs> no, I I truly believe that. I, I
0: think the this scene where it's the, the real, the first night that it really starts to, the haunting starts to happen. And because um, Theo and Nell shared that, like that bathroom that kind of, that connects the rooms. And that's like the psychological terror was, I thought was really good. Um, but especially in that scene, because it wasn't bombarded with her narration. It's just these two sort of responding to things and the, kind of the shadow play, the door, the, the, the doorknob. And the fact that, the way that that door bent was
1: yeah, that's, just that's
0: some fascinating special effects. Was great. Yeah. Um. I. That's what I wished for more of. Yeah. But then, and again, it's so funny because, like, usually I think Bosley Crowther is fine. I just like his name and I read his reviews. But like, why did they really have to go up the staircase? I yeah. mean, and and it's funny because it's an issue also in. In the the Yon de Bond one, it, there's like no real reason for it. Now it's, that shot better, and it, there's more peril to it than I think what we get in this one. Um, in the in the series, there's also a, like a spiral staircase, but there's there's more of a like there's a, there's something calling them to, to it, it, and there's more of a reason for it, which is the dude. The series, the Netflix series is so good. It's so, and
1: obviously you get more time to develop things, and the way that they well, um, and Russ Tamblyn has a little uh, cameo in it, right, as a as a doctor or a therapist or something. Yes, I, I... just as a little callback to come full circle. Oh okay. no, to-
0: no, totally. Okay. And I, I wish I could remember specifically where he falls into it. Um, because what you what you'll get caught up in if you watch it, which oh, fuck you should, man. It's all the places where you can see like the ghosts and faces and in the screen. I don't know if you if you read about that or heard about it, but like they're fucking everywhere. You'll 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 become fascinated. Looking at all the empty space in the screen going, okay, where the, where the fuck are these ghosts? Cause like that, oh, it's so spooky, dude. It legit, it legit scared me a whole bunch of times. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and this book was so beloved when it came out that I'm, I mean, I'm not surprised it got made, but it seems like it didn't really go as far as it could have. And Granted, the series is is definitely it, the book is source material. It's not quite the book. I've never read the book, but I can tell it's 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 a kind of a spin on it. But it's so well done, and the way the ways that it finds to incorporate characters and storylines from the book into its its sort of modern day retelling it's brilliant, brilliant. Like, um, for instance, we get a strong kind of lesbian or or sort of um. Well, yeah, Theo seems to be inclined that way
1: to have a a a, a thing for for Nell potentially. Well, they even shot a scene that was cut out of her lover having left her and written "I hate you" in lipstick on the mirror. There you go. Yeah, I guess um, it was included in in some TV version that's now lost. But. Okay,
0: well, and in and the, and the, and the on the Bont one, Catherine Zeta-Jones, who is that same character, again has sort of a a, a lovey connection to the to the Nell character. In the series, in the Netflix series, Theo is a lesbian, and it's one of those things. It's like, cool. Now we can just put it out there, right? That's who she is, um, and just the way that they find the interesting ways they they kind of bring the characters in. It's 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 fantastic. It's yeah. I'm talking
1: more about that because it's it's really good. Well, I'm I'm definitely much, well, and not that I dismissed your recommendation, but I'm certainly much more interested in seeing it now. Even just having watched rewatched it.
0: And and I think cinematically, you'll there's one episode where, the first like thirty five minutes of it's one single take, and when you when you see all the tricks and shit they do, to, it's one shot, and all the ways that they they can manipulate like where actors are and and
1: where these kind of ghost figures come in and out of, it's impressive. It's it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's nice to know that Netflix is still producing quality because let me tell you. Some of the stuff I've watched on there recently, I expected so much from Triple Frontier. And how wrong was I? Oh, really? I, I didn't mind it. I mean, but when you... It does feel very TV movie-esque. And, and I'm not saying that simply because it's on Netflix. But when you look at the other three films that J.C. Chandor has done, this is really below him as a filmmaker. So...
0: Okay, so what am I missing? Because I, I loved Margin Call...
1: Uh, all and all, all is, lost. is Lost and A Most Violent Year which is my favorite Oh, of the three. that's right I haven't seen it Oh, treat yourself, man It is so goddamn good I've heard it's good It
0: was one of those movies like, again kill, like Killing Them Softly which I've heard is actually like in
1: hindsight is actually really good but it got You've like, still not seen Killing Me Softly? No Put this on your to-do list You double feature Killing Me Softly as well as A Most Violent yes, Year Yes, with all my, my free time that I know I With Yes, exactly When you do have free time Okay, great those were, two, those were two of my favorite movies, and they both made my top ten list of their respective years. Well, there you go. There you go. But The Haunting, I was going to find some nice things to say about The Haunting. You know what? I I really love the wallpaper, that textured wallpaper, and they deliberately have the spots that are kind of blacked out to look like a face. And she yeah. almost feels like she hears the voice of that. That's all really good. I love the conversations between her and Markway. I think that's all really fantastic dialogue. I really like that actor i really want to find more of richard johnson's stuff now because i think sure. he's he's the best thing in it i you know, it's i don't really
0: like russ tamblin in this
1: no i, I he l- just gets to play kind of schlocky he gets yeah. to play
0: the sarcastic jerk you know what's funny is so it's I, I'm not, oh it's owen wilson in the 99 one and that's like the perfect role for owen wilson um he's actually he he walks that line between like kind of funny dorky guy and selfish prick and that really well. Like it's actually an enjoyable performance to,
1: to watch. Russ Tanler just seems to be kind of a douche. Yeah. The whole time. I'm here because, you know, I was in West side story and so he wanted to cast somebody that he'd already worked with. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much the vibe I got. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. uh, we, we, we were talking about the, the adaptation of the book very briefly. I, I, this is, again, another one of those cases where there's an unmade film that could have been so much better. In, in reading about it, I guess they had originally pitched a script which turned out to be very Shutter island Okay. Like, it's all in her head, and yes, I guess. the rest of them are all doctors and nurses trying to help her work through the trauma of her dead mother, and whether the, the more of the question of whether she did deliberately kill her or not, which is, is something I feel like they didn't do enough of, because she talks about hearing the knocking on the wall and then that was the one night I didn't go and that's the night she died there wasn't really enough done with that and again I love the the idea of making it more I feel like there's a a better movie that could have been made dealing with and I feel like that would have been more shocking to audiences at the time as well but from what I had read the, the the author Shirley Jackson said well no I really like that but that's not what this movie is that's not what this book is about not what this story is is definitely more of a paranormal thing yeah and so they went well to respect the author will keep it close to the source material which is makes the argument i think for because uh, i mean maybe i'm wrong does that sound more interesting to you yeah I, I think so i think i think that makes the argument for i i hate this and again i'm i'm gonna try to not go on another <laughs> soapboxy tangent but one of the dumbest arguments i hear for people trashing movies is going oh it's not the book yeah, no, it's a movie. It's a different medium. So yeah, it's not the book. If that's your only argument for not liking the movie, then that's, that's I'm sorry, that's not an argument. Well, and and it should and it shouldn't be a reason to not see it. Yeah.
0: You know, I mean, I I, I know I've told you this before, but r- watching Forrest Gump and reading Forrest Gump are they're not even close to the same. Have I have I talked to you about this? Yeah, before? no, we talked about this, and I'm sure we'll we'll dig deeper when we do. The only thing I'll say now about it is that the first line of the book is "Let me tell you something: life is no box of chocolates." And from there, it only furthers itself from the movie. But like to say that you you couldn't like Forrest Gump the movie because it's not Forrest Gump the book is it's kind of a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah, you know, and that's we what you got to realize is this, you, there's only so much you can put on the screen.
1: Yeah, that, that, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. And you, again, things things that work on the page aren't going to work. On cinema, that's the reason why I feel like that. having read a whole bunch of Stephen King now, I totally understand why filmmakers completely diverge from what he does, yeah. especially in The Shining sense. There's just things on the page that you just you can't well, do. And to be fair,
0: once—I'm sorry. Once your book has been optioned and a, a production company owns the rights to, to how it's going to look on film, shut the fuck up. You yeah. got paid. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's the authors who are the ones complaining all the time, but like— Well, it's there was, Stephen King's case. Well, sure. But there was a decision that was made— these people have the rights to make this movie and, and whether or not it's even close to the source material doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter. It's going to be what it's
1: going to be and that there you have it. And my, my, my final, the nail in the coffin for me is, is the titling. It says, it always says based on the book or adapted from the book or yeah. from the source material. It's not, this is a filmed version of the book. Yeah. And nor should it be. So for all you people out there that still think Tom Bombadil should be in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, just shut up. No, he shouldn't. I don't know who that is. So. I, there's a When we do the Lord of the you Rings episode, I'll, but there's a whole thing about how, you know, he, in the book, they meet this character instantly who is not entranced by the ring. And so therefore, you immediately take the power away from the ring. The whole point of us being here, the power is taken away from it immediately. And there's a bunch of characters in the book that, that don't want anything to do with it. So, okay, so if, if they're not entranced by it, then why are any of the rest of these people? You know what I mean? It, it deflates it almost immediately. So, of course, you're not going to put that in a 12-hour movie. You're not going to put a character in there that goes, yeah, I'm, I'm not interested. Do you, know, do you know what I'm not interested in? Lord of the Rings? Yeah. I know, but I was just using that as an example for why and how I, just I thought think there it's was a, a stupid a, argument. There was a nice
0: comedic segue that I just wanted to take.
1: I, uh, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. That, that, is, that moment sad. of levity stopped me from getting on a soapbox. So let's
0: okay. So um, which we
1: don't need any more of. Favorite scene, favorite shot in this movie. Um. Well, I, I love the shot as I said the wallpaper, but I also there's a there's a, a high angle and I actually used it on our Twitter because I I try to announce when we're recording. Yeah. It. Here's a couple of screenshots. Can you guess the movie? Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I love them finding they're in that little. They're in that that big greenhouse kind of thing where the 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 plant. It's like a, the kind of garden and they find the statue of the original owner of the house and it's a kind of top down over the shoulder of the statue looking at the four of them I, I just I really like the framing of that yeah and her and then that dealing with her attraction to the statue and feeling connected to uh, Crane yeah the original owner that, that I really like that yeah and again another thing that that's a great idea let's explore that some more Yeah. which they don't instead we get more intolerable voiceover
0: yeah yeah, I definitely. Mine is definitely the first night with the haunting happening. Yeah. Theo Nell in the same room, and that specifically that that door effect is just fantastic. Um, my unsung hero is um is uh, Rosalie Crutchley who plays Mrs. Dudley. I think her her one scene is is great. I mean, she she I I loved her in that. Yeah, that I really
1: part. wanted more with her and the and her groundskeeper husband. I like I like him as well. I don't have his name. Oh, it's sure. um I I I do it's um. Uh, Valentine dial dial. It's D Y A L L. I don't know, yeah. but yeah. 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 He's great as well. It's a shame. He only gets one scene. I love how standoffish he is. Yeah. Immediately. Oh
0: my God. In the, in the 99 version, it's Bruce Dern.
1: Oh, that's awesome. God, I, I <laughs> love so weird. I love me some Bruce Dern. Like how, how much did you love the, um, uh, why am I blanking on the name of that movie? Nebraska. Yes, thank you. I. Because you're an Alexander Payne fan. I am.
0: I am. I have not seen Down. Is it downsized? Downsizing? What is it? You don't need to. Um, I will say that Nebraska is my least favorite of. nope, nope. Just kidding. It is my second least favorite of his. Um, but I still rank it. It's still one I, I enjoy. Yep. Um, the one I my least favorite is about Schmidt. Um. Although it, it does deserve a rewatch because I watched it when I was like sixteen and I don't think I got it. Oh, yeah. To be honest.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but there you go. Um and what's what are the other things we talk about? This is Martin Scorsese's if not his favorite horror film. It's it's in his his top ten horror films of all time, which is really surprising to me knowing I mean he has an incredible ta- and he's he's great for you know helping to keep world cinema alive and his different sort of restoration projects and things yeah. like that i was really honestly surprised to hear that this is one of his favorite horror films and i think that has to do with probably a lot of nostalgia and i've heard him you know and this is uh i'm gonna make the case for more hammer in the book i've talked to you about how much i love hammer horror you have uh and I know he's a huge Hammer horror fan as well, so to like, put this above those is, is incredible for me, considering how little this film, I think, did for horror in general and how much Hammer did for horror, not just as a genre, but for also British filmmaking in general. Sure. And there's only one Hammer... Movie in the book. I'm hoping that we'll we'll be able to do it. Maybe as our Halloween episode this year. Maybe. I'm also really would love to do the Wicker Man, which also features Christopher Lee. But horror of Dracula or just Dracula as it's known yeah. in the UK uh, is in there. And I, I, it's, I think it's a shame because it. And and when we do the episode, I'll I'll make a point to do a little bit of a history. Of, of the studio but I mean they really did do a lot for just how much you could get away with back in those days yeah they kind of lost the plot there towards the end and once The Exorcist had come out they were a little too late in trying to follow that trend rather than and it's, it's very much for me like the Bond franchise I mean right around the Roger Moore days they stopped being trendsetters and started being trend followers and that was Hammer's problem as well but yeah, I would uh, I'll get to the point right now. I think the haunting should come out and we should throw another Hammer feature in there like uh the Mummy or their first Frankenstein film. Both of those are absolutely lush, beautiful, gorgeous productions. Um as well as uh their Werewolf movie that they did as well with all of the just completely amazing actor Oliver Reed, who is a hero of mine and a uh, 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 I have a crush on Oliver Reed. I don't give a shit. The, it was impossible to light that man badly. I think you mentioned that before. I think I have. Yeah, to, yeah. We're learning all kinds of weird things about so, me today. So,
0: so, Let's just for the sake of of this podcast. If you what if you could do what, what one movie
1: would you replace it with? I mean, just if you had to. I I think it would be their uh, Hammer's 1959 mummy movie. Okay. Okay. Cool. Just yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. So check no- it out. It's so also- it's a no it's definitely a okay, no. For yeah. me. It's a no
0: for me too. And do you have a replacement? I well, I do, and it's not similar in tone. I mean it, it is a it's a horror movie and uh, is it one of the period or is it a, something newer? It is totally newer. And okay. that's sort of my that was my thinking is is I do think that horror films have gotten better in
1: the last 5 or 6 years.
0: Or at least from my opinion because I I was never a horror fan. I oh, really, I really I. wasn't.
1: I have my core ones that I love and they're mostly 70s ones it's you know it's The Exorcist it's Texas Chainsaw it's Halloween as yeah. we discussed when we did exactly. our Halloween yeah, exactly. episode exactly
0: um, and I just think that the, yeah there were decades probably like post Halloween where it, there were, it was like Halloween rip offs and yeah well the 80s was just a
1: shit yeah, show for horror movies it was
0: and and um, I know that I had a really visceral experience watching The Blair Witch Project because I was one of the people who was a, a sap and, and saw it in theaters and thought it was real and I saw it Op- not opening weekend, but the weekend after, and I was all of the age of 12, saw it by myself, and thought I had witnessed a real thing. Um, yeah, man, snuff films aren't real, I man. think the Blair Witch Project is in the book. It certainly was. Um, but but that's not what I'm... But but then, again, I feel like we went through a drought. We went through not great horror movies. Um, and there's... I, I'm actually kind of struggling between which one of these two I want to recommend, because um, I don't think either of them are in the book, but I'm going to recommend I'm going to to replace it with It Follows, which I think is it's it's partly psychological, but it's also um, it's also very visceral in a way. And I don't know if you've seen it. Um, no,
1: it's it's been up high on on my list to see. I mean, you and you and Melissa recommended that to us ages ago. Yeah, I yeah. Don't know we just haven't gotten to it.
0: And the only thing I would say about it is if you if you you're gonna you're gonna th- Figure out really early what the premise of the movie is,
1: and you're either going to buy it and and enjoy the ride, or you won't, and then you'll hate it. But the the whole point of it follows is it seems to me from what you've described, it plays off on the whole idea with that that trope that you know in in the scream movies they talk about how there are rules, and if you have sex in a horror movie, you're you're probably going to get bumped off, and it kind of plays with that trope a little bit, doesn't it? Well, okay, yeah. So essentially, y-
0: yes, it does. It, the whole thing is that. There's a, it, the movie starts and it follows this, this blonde, uh, probably college, college age girl. She goes on a date with this guy. It seems to be going well, but there are moments where the guy like sees something that she can't see and it freaks him out. And he asks, you know, they go to see a movie and they leave the theater. They go to a restaurant. Eventually they leave. And so what happens is they end up having sex in his car somewhere and it looks like everything's it's kind of a night, it's whatever. But then he chloroform, he drugs her. She wakes up tied to a wheelchair. And he, he turns her, and there's this there's this person in the distance slowly walking towards him. He goes, "Do you see her?" Okay, and basically what he says is, "I just gave you something. You're gonna see this thing. It's gonna basically kill you. You have to have sex with somebody else so that it'll go to them." And then she starts seeing these things, and it, it's, that's that's it, a very it's a slow walk. It's nobody's coming. Nobody's running after her, um, and the person who who she sees it's different it's never the same person and the, and it just goes from there um, it's creepy it's re- it's a slow burn creepy movie um i think it's really interesting and i was on the edge of my seat the entire time and it's just really good um it was kind of an under under the radar independent film but it's fantastic
1: it's really good I'm looking forward to it. I'll see if I can bump that up the list slightly. Now, if we're... So, the 1959 Mummy is my, my uh, of-the-period replacement. I could also make a case for Mandy going in if we want to talk about modern stuff, which I know I'm contradicting myself from last week where I'm talking about a kind of grace period or newer movies just having honorable mentions rather than must-see status. Sure. But I recommended Mandy weeks and weeks back, and it hasn't left me. Sure. I think that's legit. Yeah. What a visceral, haunting, pardon the pun, Ew. experience. Yeah. And it's I just mean, so goddamn cool.
0: I don't think that we have to, and and that's the thing too, is that, I I kind of agree with you on the Grace Perry thing, but I also think that this book is so heavily geared towards like the 40s, 50s, and 60s, that I, I it's, and, and not that it's not, sure, some of these movies have stood the test of time, but it's like, should The Quiet Man be in? No. Should this? I don't think so. And And I think there's a they've had their time. Yeah, and I just think there's 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 a sort of there's a sense of nostalgia to a lot of this book, and I think because of that, it ignores. It's so funny. Was it was it last week that we talked about? Like Jackie and Jungle Book are in the are
1: in the book.
0: Yeah, and that was part of that
1: conversation. But
0: and yet Jackie is such a throwback to a certain time, and the Jungle Book is a remake of. A classic disney animated movie
1: which is also already in the, in the book. book yeah it's fucking so dumb yeah. um There's, there are some as the new editions have gone on and i know i'm i'm you know picking apart the foundations of the, the very reason why we're here but there are some questionable decisions in the book like toy story being in there is a trilogy you only did that so that you could have it wouldn't be awkward to have one and three by themselves well not but they have,
0: have they have they have a new hope empire and return of the jedi in the book separately separately which Croc-ishand. if you're
1: which if you're going to do the lord of the rings as a trilogy and if you're going to do toy story as a trilogy you should just have the original star wars as a trilogy i agree because that's how most people think of them yeah and then that frees up two new spots i agree totally agree um so we could put it follows a Mandy in there perfect yeah perfect and that and that you know what that's
0: what we would put in the book in place of the haunting and, and saving up some, uh, freeing up some space for the star Wars trilogy. However, we want to know what you think of the haunting. If you've seen it, um, if you've seen any of the versions of the haunting or the haunting, uh, of Hill house on the net on Netflix. Um, so find us on Twitter and on Facebook, give us some comments. We'd love to, we'd love to hear what you think about them. Um, you can find us on iTunes and Twitter and Google play or wait, iTunes and Google play and Spotify. That's where you listen to us. Um, so
1: if there is a brief hiatus in episodes, it's because you know we're, we're both busy so yeah. i i'm almost certain we're not going to have one next week yeah. once we get into may properly we'll we'll see what we can do there may be a week's grace period there may be two weeks we'll see yeah
0: so we'll probably just throw up some recommendations uh during that time of things you should just watch anyway but um so that's that's uh, that's going to be it for the haunting it's definitely a no for me
1: that's yeah, definitely a no for me
0: cool um so there you go uh, until next time i am adam and i am Ian, and we will see you next week